Fatima Center presents Church and State with Christopher Ferrara. Today's episode, The Hermeneutic of Continuity. This philosophical term was coined by Pope Benedict XVI as he promoted the idea that the documents of Vatican II must be interpreted in continuity with the Church's perennial magisterial teaching. Hello, welcome to the next episode of Church and State, a series by the Fatima Center which examines developments in the church, developments in the state, and the relationship between the two. And our motto here is, as the church goes, so goes the world, and oftentimes it's in the reverse, especially when the state encroaches on the prerogatives of the church. Today's topic is different from the last two episodes. I'm treating today a controversy between the renowned Catholic commentator in Italy, Sandro Magister, and Archbishop Vigano, who has recently issued a missive, the substance of which was that given all the problems that have followed the Second Vatican Council, perhaps it's time for the Church to leave it behind. Simply forget the Council. There are so many aspects of it that have caused endless controversy in the Church, ambiguities that have yet to be resolved and tendencies that the council clearly unleashed. Some say it's the spirit of the council, some say it's the text of the council. Maybe it's time, says the archbishop, to leave it behind, simply forget it. Now, Sacramento Magister is exercised by that claim. He thinks that it borders on a schismatic observation or a tendency. And he's wrong. And I'll give you an example of why I think he's wrong. In our book, The Great Facade, Tom Woods and I, back in 2002, explored a rather similar historical parallel, and that would be the Second Council of Constantinople, which met to consider and deal with the monophysite heresy, the heresy that there is no human nature in Christ, but only a divine nature. Now, there were competing factions in the church at that time, the heretical ones, which denied the true human nature of Christ, denied that he was true man as well as true God, and those who defended orthodoxy. The Second Council of Constantinople improvidently, recklessly really, decided to try to come up with a formula that would placate both sides of the controversy, and the result was a disaster. Because of its ambiguity, the Second Council of Constantinople was followed by furious debate, various schisms, and subsequently it was considered prudent simply to not, not mention it again. Leave it behind, it was a misguided effort. And that's really what Archbishop Vigano is saying about this. Now, Sandra Magister says, oh no, we mustn't do that. We must apply what Cardinal Ratzinger and later Pope Benedict XVI called the hermeneutic of continuity in reform. It's a lot of syllables, but what does it really mean? It means implicitly that we have a problem with this council, with the Second Vatican Council, not unlike the problem with the Second Council of Constantinople meaning that it is hard to see how certain texts of the Council can be reconciled with traditional teaching, particularly in the area of religious liberty. The Council's document on religious liberty, Dignitatis Humanae, seems to adopt the model of the modern pluralist state and to posit a, a natural right to religious liberty, the profession of any creed whatsoever, which is something the Church consistently condemned as destructive of social order, because obviously if you allow every Tom, Dick, and Harry, who founds a religion, to promulgate his errors in public, and that's the key distinction, we're talking about the public forum here, the result will be the destruction of the faith of the people, 
and ultimately the erosion of both public and private morality, which is what we saw immediately after the Protestant revolt, when morality began to collapse, first the divorce and then down through the centuries, contraception, in which the Protestant sects colluded and uh, to which they conceded in 1930. So there was a total disintegration of morality as a result of the promulgation of religious error. So the church consistently condemned the idea that there could be unlimited freedom of conscience, unlimited freedom of religion in a Catholic country in the public forum. If people had erroneous beliefs that they held privately, the church always exercised a kind of juridical tolerance. People could have their beliefs as long as they did not attempt to promulgate them and lead other people away from the truth in the public forum. This was a consistent stance of the magisterium. Pope after Pope after Pope, Gregory XVI, Pius VII, Pius IX, Pius X, Pius XI, Pius XII, were as one in saying that the idea that there could be unrestrained religious liberty in society, in keeping with this modern notion of absolute freedom of opinion, freedom even to advocate the murder of unborn children, or the legalization of sodomy, that idea was destructive of social order. Well, Magister says we need a hermeneutic of continuity, in keeping with Conor Ratzinger and Pope Benedict's opinion, to try to reconcile the Council's teaching on this point and others with the constant teaching of the Church. Now, what is this hermeneutic of continuity? Why do we need one? If the Council is perfectly orthodox and free from serious and problematic ambiguities, why do we need to show that it's in continuity with prior teaching? That's the obvious point. But he goes on to say, Magister, quoting from Cardinal Ratzinger's address on the subject, that what the Church needed to do at the Second Vatican Council was have a hermeneutic of continuity in reform. Now, what does that mean? Well, Cardinal Ratzinger in this address of his talks about the constant teaching of the Church in a very reductionist, facile manner. Here's what he says, and I'm quoting. In the 19th century, under Pius IX, the clash between the Church's faith and a radical liberalism and the natural sciences, which also claim to embrace with their knowledge the whole of reality, to its limit, stubbornly proposing to make the hypothesis of God superfluous, has elicited from the Church a bitter and radical condemnation of this spirit of the modern age. Now think about what he's saying here. That's the quotation. A bitter and radical condemnation. But he isn't talking about just Pius IX, who issued, by the way, the Syllabus of Errors, in which he enumerated all the errors that the moderns considered essentials of liberty, which would result, he warned, and so many other popes had warned, in the destruction of civilization, absolute freedom of opinion, freedom of publication, freedom of religion, say whatever you please, do whatever you please, as long as you allow others the same freedom, that would mean the end of social order, the destruction not only of Christendom, but even of basic morality. Now, he calls this, Ratzinger, in this address, a bitter and radical condemnation of this spirit of the modern age. So what has he done here? He has psychoanalyzed the magisterium. He's reduced consistent pronouncements of the magisterium, identifying the errors of political modernity and warning that they would be disastrous, and he has called it bitter. The psyche of the magisterium, according to him, is bitter. Now, let's turn that around. If you can say that the constant teaching of the church condemning the errors of political modernity, was bitter. Why can we not say that the teaching of Vatican II was foolishly optimistic? Not bitter, but overly sweet. If you could psychoanalyze a whole series of popes, why can you not look at one particular council 
with its ambiguities and say they were foolishly optimistic, factuously optimistic. They were foolish enough to think that if they opened the church to the modern world and tried to present the teaching of the church in a new way and accepted some sort of compromise with modern liberty, then the world would hail the church's new and friendly face and converts would pour into her. It never happened. The world yawned collectively at what the church had tried to do, which had basically prostrated itself before the modern world, and now we see that the church has been totally eclipsed in social order. It no longer has any influence over public policy because of the foolishly optimistic teaching of the council. So to wrap up this episode, if the cardinal, Cardinal Ratzinger, and the future Pope Benedict XVI think that they can reduce the solemn teaching of a line of popes to a bitter and radical condemnation, why can we not say of the council that it was a foolishly optimistic and radically wrong attempt psychologically to make friends with the modern world? What's good for the popes before the council is good for the church after the council and during the council. So let's be fair in our application of critiques. And if we do that, I would think you will find, if you review the teaching of the popes before the Second Vatican Council, that they were not bitter. They were realistic. And their warnings were prophetic, whereas the optimism of the council has proven to be a total debacle. For the Fatima Center, that concludes this episode of Church and State. I'm Chris Ferrara. We hope you have enjoyed this presentation brought to you by the Fatima Center. Copyright 2020. All rights reserved. We invite you to visit our website www.fatima.org. Immaculate Heart of Mary, ora pro nobis.